Well, this message I've had this morning has been on my heart for a number of weeks, like Pastor Jay said. Before I get into it, though, I want to just uh, I just echo what Pastor just shared. You know, church often is, does have a very feminine atmosphere to it, and men sometimes feel uncomfortable. It's not their, not their atmosphere. It's not their culture. So that's why we're getting ready to mount on the back of all the chairs spit cups, okay? No, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Edit that, please. But I appreciate, too, what Brian shared in the opening. That was very, very appropriate. You know, um, we as men have a huge challenge in front of us, and sometimes we literally do not know how to face it. We don't know. How, it, it's hard in our culture today. Men are being very. Uh, we're, we're under a lot of attack to de. What, what is the word? Demasculatize or anyway, you know. Anyway, take away our manhood or or mock our manhood. And men are. Men are created to. I. I I wish I could have you replay what you just shared a while ago there, Brian. But we are made to um, conquer. We're fighters. We are, we are made to solve problems. And when we can't do that, it's frustrating to us. And there's times our wives, they don't want problems solved. They just want us to listen. Do you know how frustrating that is? Because we are, we, in our very nature is to solve problems. So anyway, that's not part of my message, but I uh, appreciate you letting me vent on that. Let's pray before we get into the message. Father, we thank you for, first of all, you as our perfect father. Thank you that you're the perfect example of what a father is like. But this morning, we want to thank you for our natural fathers who gave an example for us how to live. And Father, for those of us who had fathers that were good but imperfect. We thank you for the example they gave as well. And, and for those who have fathers that were, that the very relationship was painful, Father, I thank you that by your grace, you are reforming a new image of what fatherhood is all about. And Lord, I pray right now that as we, as we share this message, Lord, I don't want to misrepresent anything of your kingdom your character, or your nature. But Lord, I want to represent who you are as a father. And so, Lord, I ask you to give wisdom, ask your spirit to prevail during this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, one thing is, as I grow in my relationship with God, I'm finding that there are so many things that are changing about my concepts or my view of how God operates. One thing that I've learned several, several years ago, God, I feel like, helped me to understand, that is, we do not live by what we know, but we live by what we believe. I'm going to describe what I just said. How many of us have knowledge of God that we don't live in? Besides me, okay? Two of us. We, we have a knowledge... But then, aside from our knowledge, we have a belief system. 
And we know that, oh, God is good and God provides, God cares for, he protects, he heals, he, all this. But then there's this little side note. But in my case, all I get is a busy signal. But in my case, God doesn't do it. But in my case, I've got to do it myself. Anybody ever feel that besides me? We have a knowledge and we have a belief system. We live by what we believe, not by what we know. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to substitute some wrong beliefs and connect our knowledge to our beliefs so that our beliefs change to what God says about us. Every one of us have a, 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 a picture of who God is. We have a knowledge. But what is our beliefs? Our beliefs about our father, natural father, has a huge bearing on how we look at Father God. If we've got a natural father who was a promise keeper, his word was always, I mean, when he said he's going to do something, he did it. He was gentle, he was kind, he was always loving. Then we have a, a picture of Father God in the same way. How we respond or how we react to life situations reveals our perceptions of who God is. Yes. On the other hand, if we have a father who, who was erratic, never knew how he was going to respond to life, never knew how he was going to be, never knew one day for the next how he was going to be, guess what? We look at God the same way. Yeah. It's almost like winning the lottery. Boy, I hope. <laughs> I hope I hit the jackpot. But you never know, because you never know what mood God is going to be in. We see so many similarities in our children as they relate to their parents. But in a lot of ways, we as adults, we're the same as children in how we respond to God. It reveals how we view God. Is he a safe place? Is he a place that we can run to when when? When we have trouble, is he a place that we, uh, when we need help, we don't have any problem going to him? Or is it, is he the kind of God that the only time it's safe to go to him is when we've got all straight A's on our spiritual report card? <laughs> Every time we, 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 when we do things right, then it's safe to go to God. But boy, if we messed up. Don't you dare to go to God then because he's going to get you. Do we just go to him when everything is okay, when everything's all right? If we see God as an angry God, we will avoid any unnecessary contact with him for fear of setting him off. We will only go to him when we've been good or out of desperation when we're crying out for mercy. I want you to catch that. Go back to that first part of that again there, if you could there, please. If we see God as an angry God, we will avoid any unnecessary contact with him for fear of setting him off. We will only go to him when we've been good or out of desperation when we cry out for mercy. 
See, this is, we respond to God out of our picture we have of him. On the other hand, if we see God as a loving God, we see him as a safe place, then, we'll, then going to him will be easy, not out of fear, but with reverence and expectation, knowing with confidence that whatever our situation, he's going to hear us, he'll respond to us, he'll move on our behalf, and he'll always be for our good. A place of safety, in other words. Do you see the difference? I'm going to quote Joyce Meyer this morning and say, I'm so glad that God's not mad at us. Look at the person next to you and say, God's not mad at you. God's not angry with you. And I'm sharing this this morning because I'm going to be honest. I was raised with the... With the uh, it wasn't taught, but it was caught. It was a subconscious belief that God was mad. It was almost like a picture that, God, okay, God's up in heaven. He's looking down. There's this loving Jesus who gave his life for us. And this loving Jesus, he, Jesus is all love. But he's got an angry father. And if, matter of fact, the only reason we don't see a bolt of lightning a puff of smoke and a pile of ashes because Jesus is holding an angry God back. I'll tell you what, God is just so disgusted with me that the only reason he hasn't just popped me one is because Jesus is holding him back. Do you get the picture? And every day Jesus is saying, no, Father, not today. Don't, go, don't, don't beat up on Denny today. Give him one more day. I think, I think I can straighten him up if you give me one more day. But you know what? That's not the case. It was interesting because several weeks ago we were eating at uh, KFC. Two weeks ago today, I think it was. And there's this religious leader walked by our table and he stopped and said, Well, I know where there's a lot of work to be done. I said, What do you mean? Oklahoma. That's right after the tornadoes went through there. Oklahoma. He said, Tell you what, God's trying to get somebody's attention. God's trying to wake some people up. I said, golly, gee, thanks. I appreciate that distorted view of God. You know, I didn't tell him that, but it was like right away, it went through my mind. That's what his, that's what his view is. of God's trying to wake somebody up. So he sends a tornado. Thanks, God. Do you get the picture here? An angry God who just couldn't hold it back any longer, so zap. There goes Moore. Whoops, the week later there goes Oklahoma City. And when's it our turn? Watch it, Jake. He's going to get you next. (laughs) Do you understand? The the picture of an angry God is we don't know when his temper is going to fly off and he's going to get us. Well, I... I appreciate the uh, a couple weeks ago. This is when this message really came to me. Several weeks ago, Joyce Meyer on her program, she was interviewing Andy Stanley, and they were, it was sort of a commercial for their women's conference this fall there in St. Louis. Andy Stanley is going to be one of the speakers, and he was 
as she was interviewing Andy Stanley, they were talking about God not being mad at us. And I got a picture of how distorted my view was of God in the past. Andy made this statement that I thought was so good. We have the idea that we as human dads are more capable of loving our children than God is of loving him, of loving his. We have the idea that God, we as human fathers are more capable of loving our children than God is of loving his children. Wow. And actually, it's just the opposite. Right. That's right. It's just the opposite. In Matthew chapter 7, it has this passage. We're all familiar with it, but I want to just reflect on it. It says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, if you're lucky, you're going to get it. <laughs> and if you seek it, Sorry about your luck. And he who knocks, nothing's going to happen. Now that's the watered-down version, okay? Everyone, say everyone. everyone. That's, me. that's me. Say, that's me. that's me. There you go. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And he who knocks, the door will be opened. Boy, isn't that an arrogant attitude? No, it's not arrogance. It's confidence. See, if, if, that, if reading that statement runs chills up and down your back, it's probably because we've got a wrong picture of who God is. is there, when we read that, do we read it like, yes, that's my God. I've got confidence that that's exactly how he's going to be. Or do we say, well, that's a good principle, going back to the, what I said a while ago, is it something we know, but we don't believe? Mm -hmm. See, I'm in the lifelong process of changing my beliefs to line up with what God says. Yes. That's right. Then he goes on to give us a little example here. He says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? If you then, though you were evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Say that, how much more? See, God is a how much more God. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? The qualification for getting things from God isn't being good enough, getting all A's on your spiritual report card, dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's, but it's simply going to him and asking him. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's that simple. It's, that simple. it's just as easy as that. Let's not make it complicated. Yeah, that's because that's how God operates. He got, God operates with simplicity. So the ask, seek, and knock principle uh, doesn't, feel comfortable to anyone who has an angry God doctrine. See, if we have an angry God doctrine, we don't get anything from him unless we earn it. We're good enough. And then there's probably strings attached with it. There's contingencies. Only under certain conditions will I be lucky enough to get anything from God. So, <clears throat> let me ask you then, this God who gave us his son... We all know that. He gave us Jesus. He died for us. Take away all of our sins. 
We know that Jesus loves us. He, we learned that when we were in Sunday school with three years old. Jesus loves me, this I know. Come on, Eli, help me. For the Bible. You know, we all know that, okay? It's something we learned. But do we know it really? We know it in our heart, our head, but do we know it in our heart? Do we know that, that Jesus is a safe place? Do we know that, that okay, we know that Jesus is a safe place. Okay, we learn that. But what about the Father? What about this angry father? What about this father that, that like I said a little while ago, he, the only reason I'm not a puff of, a bolt of lightning is a puff of smoke and a pile of ashes because Jesus is holding this mad God back. Look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. I love this verse. It says that the sun is the radiance of God's glory. This next phrase is what I want you to catch. And the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word after he had provided purification for our sins and so on and so forth. But the part that I want us to catch is the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So if we have a loving Jesus, guess what the Father is like? We don't have a mad father and a loving Jesus. We've got a loving father who is just like the son. Now, that, that's, that would be a good place to get excited. Okay, thank you. We have a father who is exactly like the son. So therefore, Father God is crazy about us. There's not a mad father... And a loving Jesus. So the idea that Jesus is loving and kind and Father is angry and judgmental, it's not true. It's a, it's a, it's a falsehood. Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. The nature of the Father is reflected in the Son. And I, that, I, I feel like this is so important that we get a grasp of this because otherwise... We go around playing dodgeball with the Father because we think he's mad at us all the time. John 3, 16 and 17. We all know these verses. We learned these in Sunday school when we were four years old, a year after we learned Jesus loves me. It says, for God, who's God? The Father. For, so God, for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only the one and only Son, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, in the true translation, it says, God so loved the world that if we worked hard enough and did everything right, we would get everlasting life. Right? No, that's the religious translation. You know, as I was studying this, this is—it it made me feel so primary because, I mean, I learned—I've learned this verse fifty some years ago. Okay, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes, believes in Him, you know what? That is so simple that most of us stumble over it. It is so simple that most of us 
try to make it more complicated. Do you know almost every one of the false religions of the world today have a list of things that they have to do. Jehovah's Witnesses have to pass out so many watchtowers. The um, the Mormons, they, the, these young elders go out and live very strict lives. The Amish punish themselves by living extremely primitive. primitive. I don't, can't even describe it all. I mean, every false religion has works that they depend on. Because John 3.16 is too cotton pick and simple. Whoever believes will not perish but have everlasting life. So that means all we have to do is just believe. Look at your person next to you say, Buford, that's what it says. But see, if we believe, believing then creates a response. When we believe, then it it creates a response, but that response is not for righteousness, but it's because of righteousness. Yes, it's a that response is not to make us righteous, but it's because we are righteous. That's right. That's right. We serve not to get righteous, but because we are righteous. That's right. But see, I'm going to be honest. There is this thing that is constantly bombarding my spirit. Well, you got to do this, and you got to do that. What about the whole fear theory? Any of you faced with any fears this week besides me? Two of us, three of us, ten of us, hundred of us? Fear is one of the biggest enemies of faith. Because fear, there's a little phrase I came up with a couple years ago, I like it. Fear always causes a hide, hoard, and hate. But when we move in the love of God, love, God always causes us to love, serve, and give. Yes. Fear causes to hide, hoard, and hate. God causes us to love, serve, and give. I got this from the Bible, okay? <laughs> God so loved the world that he... The very nature of the Father is... A giver. The very nature, the very essence, everything about God is, I want to give to somebody. I want to bless somebody. I want to do something good to somebody today. Did I make you mad? Okay, okay, all right, all right. So therefore, so therefore, every time we respond to the nature of the Father, it's to give, serve, and love. Are you getting this? The very nature of the Father is to do this, to, to, to respond to that. And so therefore, when I respond to the Father, I'm always looking for somebody to be nice to. You know what that means? I've got to stay in tune with the Father's nature every day. <laughs> Any day that I revert to my nature, guess what? Fear. Hide, hoard, and hate. The Father caused me to love serve and give it's a daily adjusting daily daily uh, several okay thank you uh, autumn said several times a day okay yeah really sometimes it's 10 times a day 
We have to constantly adjust because if we don't adjust, we get all everything all messed up. John 3.17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In other words, putting this in my own words, God is trying to find an excuse to forgive us rather than damn us. That's the nature of the Father. He's, he'd rather forgive us, restore us, heal us than to damn us. See, we're not only hearing the nature of Jesus, but this is the heart and the nature of the Father as well. You know, as Joyce Meyer and Andy Stanley were discussing this angry God, loving God principle, I got a picture of how we respond when we sin, when we mess up, when we drop the ball, whatever term you want to use. So in our failures, what do we do? Do we run to God or do we hide from him? Think about that a little bit. When we fail, let's just go ahead and call it sin, okay? doesn't sound as nice, but when we sin, do we hide from God or do we run to him? And as they were, as they were having that interview that morning, I suddenly got a rerun of how I was when I was a little tyke. Now, some people don't have a very vivid memory of early childhood. I have a very, very vivid memory of a lot of things that happened when I was two years old. And I remember spe very specifically when my mother was in the process of trying to train me, housebreak me, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I should have had a litter box, yeah. But you know, it was interesting because when I was a very young child, I remember very specifically how I was when my mom would say, Denny? No, she didn't call me Denny. She called me Dennis. Dennis, yeah. Dennis do you have to go to the bathroom? <laughs> and you know, when I, when, I would, when I would feel, everybody know what number two is? You know the difference between number one and number two? Okay. <laughs> when I felt number two calling... I would get real tired. And there are certain chairs in our living room that I would go and hide behind. Oh, I remember that distinctly. With the, dis with the emphasis on distinctly. Distinctly, okay. <laughs> now, my mom and dad, they, they called number two lumpy, okay? <laughs> and I remember, Dennis, do you have to go lumpy? Dennis, did you go lumpy? Come here. Let me check. Now, because my mother was a Christian mother, she had things in her tool bag that were specifically meant to break me of that habit. First of all, you know what? There's some mothers that they have some of the well, I don't know how they ever expect to train their children when they pamper them when they mess up. See, because my mother was a Christian, she began training me from a very young age. She had some tools that were meant 
to break me of that habit. What is this? Tabasco sauce. That'll break you. It'll burn your butt. Oh, this is another one. If that didn't work, she'd sprinkle this on me. Cayenne pepper. And then she had this cleaning agent that she would get out. I don't know why it doesn't want to come out easy. It was this brush to use on the bottom. I'll tell you what, when she got done cleaning you with this, you knew you were cleaned. Now, do you believe that? No. You know, it's no wonder it takes kids several years to be trained. Mothers today, they use stuff like this. They use these soft wipes. You know what they're doing? They've been listening to Joseph Prince's grace message. They are making sin accessible. <laughs> they are giving their kids a license to sin. Just keep on pooping. And you get a soft wipe. You're giving your kids a license to sin. Whoops, sorry about that. No, my mother had, she had, she had a tool that was very good. I'll tell you what, this thing would teach you the lesson. If you didn't learn it once, you learned it before the second, no. Just kidding. These were not things... Now, some of these I borrowed from. Some of these I borrowed from Autumn, so I may, want to make sure I get these back. Here you go, Autumn. You can have. No, that's right. This wasn't. <laughs> but I, I brought these because you know what? This is the distorted picture of some of us how we feel like God deals with us. Do you get the picture? God does not use cayenne pepper and Tabasco sauce and a paddle with nails in it and a wire brush on us. Instead, he gives us lotion. Let's see, where am I out of my notes? I sort of like lost my place. Yeah, put that next verse up there. Uh, put that next verse up there. Uh, 2 Corinthians 1.3. Oh, if you miss anything, everything else in this message. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of compassion and the God of all punishment. The God of all what? The God of all what? Let's say it together. The God of all what? Is this symbolic of the nature of God? Or is this symbolic of the nature of God? See, if we look at God as a God of comfort, then running to him when we sin is going to be our natural response. Because we know he's a safe place. But if we look at him as the wire brush God, the Tabasco sauce God, the cayenne pepper God, the paddle with nails in it, oh, we can't run far enough. For, we can't, can't hide enough from God because he's never safe.
Now, let's, let's look at this verse again here. I want us to really get a picture of this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's not an angry God. But he's the God of compa- the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all. I'm, I'm going slow here intentionally. I, it's not that I can't read. I'm going slow because I want us to drink this in. Who comforts us. Now let's personalize that. Who comforts, say me, me. in all of my troubles. Who comforts me in all of my troubles? I'm going to do that again. Some of this, some of this is like fingernails against a blackboard. This is irritating you because it goes against our our belief system about God. He says He comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we received from we ourselves received from God. So, in other words, we give out whatever we've taken in. So that Church of Christ, pre- oh, I was going to say what it was. Okay, that guy at KFC the other day, <laughs> who was talking about Oklahoma, that's the picture he lives by God. Do you understand? Right. Hope God wakes some people up. Ooh, that's not very comforting. So we only give out what we've received. So if we see God as a God of punishment... Guess what? We will serve people an angry God. Could that be why some Christians have so much trouble giving comfort? They have a problem giving mercy. They have a problem giving any kind of compassion because they don't know how to receive some of these same virtues from God themselves. But when we know what we've received, it's not a hard time giving it away. Try to wrap this up quick here, okay? Ephesians 4, verse 6. You know, we all know the verses ahead of that. Children, obey your parents in the ward, for this is right. You know, we learned that when we were five years old in Sunday school. You know, we, we, we can almost see our Sunday school teacher pointing their finger at us. Children, obey your parents. You know, every time we do so wrong. Children, Anthony, children, obey your parents in the Lord. You know, okay, but verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training instruction of the Lord. King James used the word provoke. Don't provoke your children. For some reason, I like this word exasperate. Because exasperation is the result of two things. One is unkept promises. When we, as fathers, don't keep our promise to our children... Hey, if you if you do really if you get all your chores done, well, I'll take you fishing. They work like crazy to get their chores done. Oh, I forgot about the fishing. Sorry, we can't go today. If you do this, then I'm we're gonna reward you, and then we forget to reward. Unkept promises exasperate children. Do you get the picture here? Another thing that exasperates children is when we have unrealistic expectations. We, we put demands on them that are so high that they wear themselves out. It's not realistic. Give them chores that are so hard. Give them so many things to do 
that they become exasperated. Now, the reason I'm using this is, do we see God the same way? Do we see God as a God that, man, I thought I was really doing good, but, you know, sort of like the carrot at the end of the stick. Every time we move forward, the carrot moves and, well, sorry. Boy, Randy, I thought you were doing pretty good, but darn it. You know, you, sorry about your luck. If we see God as a God that is impossible or very difficult to please, guess what? We become exasperated in our Christian walk. This is not how the Father God is. This is a wrong picture of God. This is, again, trying to serve an angry God that is a, a slave master rather than a God who is easy to please. You know... We, it might be that we need a new picture of God. Maybe we need a new God. A God that's not mad at us. So, what do we do then? Let's look at our sins. Because we are under grace, does God just look the other way when we mess up? Does he say, oh, that's not sin, that's, that's something else? How do, we, how do we process our mess-ups? One of the words for sin in the Greek is hamartia, which means missing the mark. Let's face it, we all miss the mark. So either we have a choice. We can either live in denial. I didn't sin. What sin? Oh, that was just a mistake. Oh, that wasn't sin. That was just a mess up. What do we do when we sin? Exactly. We say, oh, God, I'm sorry. It's over. It's, and it's past. Now, the thing is, uh, a couple weeks ago, we had a discussion with some friends, and they this subject came up about our our sins being judged in the judgment. And I'll tell you what, I, I got this picture that I absolutely loved. This isn't a gavel from a judge's office. This is a rubber mallet from a cabinet shop, okay? All right. But you know what? Every day, we mess up. We miss the mark. We fall short of the glory of God. And when we do that, not if, but when we do that, what about our sins? And I am so glad. You know what? Every one of our sins, people will throw them in our face. People will hold stuff against you. The devil throws it in our face. <laughs> Some Christian, you are Tom Amos. <laughs> Some Christian, you are. Ah, devil, did you see what Tina did? Did you see the way Tina talked to her grandkids, and she calls herself a Christian. See, I could put all of our names in there, and we already know examples that we could give, okay? So it's not if, it's not when, it's just the way it is. But you know what I'm so thankful for? Because of the blood of Jesus, every time the devil throws that in our face or in God's face, paid for. It's paid for. Sorry, devil, it's paid for. The blood of Jesus already paid for it. That's right. 
But what about what Eli did? It's paid for. It's a done deal. Now, does that mean that everybody's sins are already paid for? Yes. But not everybody else's sins are, we get the benefit from it. The only difference between an unbeliever and you and I is the fact that when they sin, they are still under the curse because they do not, what does it say in John 3.16? They do not believe. It is so simple we stumble over it. But when we believe that Jesus' sacrifice was adequate for every one of my sins, past, present, and future. So therefore, when Mark sins, God says, don't know who you... No, I'm sorry, another Mark. Not, not, no, you thought I was talking about this is another Mark down the street. I don't know who that is. But when Mark Ray sins, forgiven. But when an unbeliever sins, guess what? They are still under the curse. They're still under judgment. Because the difference between you and I and an unbeliever is when we believe, immediately we are transformed into the kingdom of his son. And every one of our sins, it's under the blood. It's taken care of. It's paid in full. Now, what about our picture of God? The reason I'm sharing this this morning is because you know what? God has been doing a thing in me, changing my view of who Father God is. Let me just say this this morning. If you're serving an angry God, you've been serving an angry God, you need a new God. If we look at God as one that's always just about ready to get us, we need a new picture of who God is. It's scary trying to play dodgeball with an angry God because he's going to get us. Let's just close our eyes for a second. The reason I want to do this is because if you've been serving a God that is hard to please, if you've been serving a Father, Heavenly Father, that you feel has been exasperating, it's hard, hard to please. He's been giving you expectations you just can't reach. You just feel like He hasn't kept His promise to you. Oh, He'll keep other promises to other people, but not, not to you. Let me just tell you, I want to give you a picture of a new God. A God who's the exact representation of Jesus. Jesus and him are one. If you need a new God this morning, just raise your hand real quickly. If, if you just, man, I, I needed to get a new picture of who God is. I want to lift a load off your shoulders because you know what? We've been, and the reason I say this is because I, this is the wrong picture I've had for so many years. A God that is so hard to please. I'm just going to pray for you. We're not going to interrogate you. We're not going to counsel you, but we want to just pray for you.
Anybody else? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Father, right now, I thank you for what you're doing in this, in this room right now. Spirit of God, I ask you to move. Father, every one of us who raised our hands and every one of us who maybe should have raised our hand and didn't raise our hand, but wanted to raise our hand, but didn't raise our hand. Father, I ask you to move right now. Give us a new picture of who you are. And Father, where there's been fear, fear of, fear of judgment, fear of setting you off, fear of anger of you, right now we just we want a new picture of a God. Lord, I thank you for even that promise in Matthew 7. It says, if any of us ask for a piece of bread... You won't give us a stone. If we ask for a fish, you won't give us a scorpion. Because, Lord, you are a God of how much more. And Father, I ask you to pour out your goodness upon every person here this morning. Father, that we would experience the how much more nature of who you are. We would experience the how much more nature of your compassion. Lord, I thank you that you're the God of compassion and you're the God of comfort. And it's always safe to run to you. Lord, I ask you to heal the heart of every person that raised their hand this morning. Heal our hearts. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. I ask you to heal that memory in our, in our childhood. Heal that memory in our past where we developed a wrong picture of who you were. Go back into that childhood memory and bring healing, Lord, to that hurt. Bring healing to that belief where we developed an opinion of you that you were not a safe place. I'm going to go one step further. That belief system may have come from an attitude from your natural father, your earthly father, maybe your earthly father, your stepfather, a father image in your life. And you may be that you need to forgive that person right now for putting a wrong picture, putting a harsh picture in your mind of who God was. And if that's you, just speak it out. You can do it in a whisper, but said the word says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, so, Father, right now, we choose to forgive. Just say that under your breath. Say, I choose to forgive my Father for giving me a wrong picture of who you are as a loving Father. I choose to forgive that person that, that gave me that picture, that belief system, that you were impossible to please. I choose to forgive that person, and I ask that that Memory be healed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Bring healing right now to every person who has a wrong concept, a wrong picture of who you are. You know, I believe God just did, is doing something really fresh right now. And the reason he's doing it is because he is 
crazy about your restoration. God wants us restored. He doesn't want us walking around through life with a wrong picture. He wants us restored. God's not mad at you. God's not mad at you. We have a loving Father. Like Jean May says, you know what? I just sort of like God. You know why? Because he's safe. 